It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hey friends, today I have the pleasure of chatting with Claudia Weeks. You may know Claudia through her social media presence as the organized homemaker. Claudia has a degree, a master's degree actually, in nutrition and wellness and a bachelor's of science in dietetics, which has allowed her to work as a registered dietitian, a wellness coach, and a nutrition consultant. Now, Claudia says she's happiest when she's helping others and digging in the dirt. She brings all that she is into the garden with her each day and gives her followers a perfect combination of wellness tips, practical advice, and great gardening. Hey, Claudia, welcome to Rose Chat. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I'm just so glad that you're here. You know, you're in my life practically every day when I'm on Instagram and I get to see all the things that you're doing. So even though we're apart by the magic um, and the gift of social media, we get to be together. So I want to, true. let's start at the beginning on how you got interested in gardening. Wow. I will say that there was never a time when I wasn't gardening. I am one of eight children. And my parents were both farmers in that I was born in Jamaica and there most of what you eat, you raise. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad had chickens, cows, goats, and pigs that we would slaughter, you know, one or two a year. And those uh, of the larger animals would be what we would eat. And then the chickens, we would do that every so often as well. Um, As far as your veggies, the majority of the veggies that we consumed, my dad grew, and we all grew up going to our little farm plot with him helping. Mm -hmm. So the veggies sides, that's how that came about. With the flowers, my mom always kept a beautiful garden. And even now at her home in Jamaica, she has beautiful flowers around the house. She has even a little greenhouse in Jamaica for her orchids. So she's serious about it. She is. She is. (laughs) And so growing up, there was always the colorful flowers of the tropics. So the, you know, the islands around hibiscus. So which is why hibiscus is one of my favorite flowers, uh, because it brings me back to my childhood and a little bit of home, as -hmm. it were. Yeah. My family wasn't all, we were, we did not farm, but my mom had a big garden and she too raised almost everything we ate. You know, that's unusual today, but it was just, you know, it wasn't a huge lot or anything, but, um, but we did live out and it did have a little bit more than some that maybe were in a subdivision, but I mean, just, it was just natural. It was just, you know, I, I too can, I can't remember not being in the garden. My dad said of me, I was the only kid he ever knew that liked to hoe in the beans. So you just either take to it or you don't. Some people grow up in the garden and they hate it. And some people grow up in the garden and they love it. So well, of my mom's eight children, <clears throat> three of us actually grow anything. <laughs> and no, seriously, I shouldn't say three, four. The one though, it's more, it's mostly ornamental and he'll have a few herbs. The 
one brother, he does, two brothers do a fairly good job of having a lot of produce. And um, it's just me, really. My mom says she was shocked that I was the one who took the most away from them where that was concerned. <laughs> well, I know that uh, from the post that you do that you also uh, see some health benefits of gardening. Oh, for sure. Gardening for me is, I consider it therapy. Mm-hmm. If I don't get my hands in the dirt for a couple of days, I start to feel out of sorts. It literally has helped me through some very difficult times in my life. It is how I process my stress, my pain, my difficulties. I always feel better after having gardened. Even if if it's something, you know, totally difficult, like when my husband was hurt in his, his wreck. I've spent a lot of the days I cry, I pray, I talk, and I work through that in the garden. And I always come away more centered, more refreshed, just more whole having done that. So gardening is part of my wellness program. I would say the exact same thing. Now I I get peace and creativity, but it's also for me, a great eraser. If Mm -hmm. I'm holding on to some, some stress or worry or whatever, it just gets erased. I mean, it literally gets erased and it it replaces it with a bunch of just happy, you know, it's just like, Oh, you just kind of work it out while you're working. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. And you know, I got asked a lot of times, how do you show up every day? You're smiling. I know you've got so much on your plate. And I really believe it's because I have that outlet. Mm-hmm. I have a way to channel my energies and my stress so that I don't keep that all inside or all on me. If I go into the garden with my shoulders drawn up because I'm stressed out by the time I come out, it, they've moved down, you know, into their mm-hmm. rightful place. And so <laughs> It, it does. It, it really, really, really helps me feel a lot better about life and struggles and just 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 every day. Mm-hmm. I step outside my house, I, I smile mm-hmm. because I see something blooming. You know, there are flowers everywhere I look and then I go in the veggie garden and there's food growing. So you can't help but have. <laughs> I have to be careful walking into this garden, depending on what clothes and shoes I have on, because no matter what clothes or shoes I have on, when I'm there, I'm all in. So I just run right to something. It's like, uh oh, my husband's at the door going, you do know that look down, you know, you need to probably change your clothes before you get into this. Yesterday I was out there mowing the lawn in my nightie. I was mowing the lawn in my nightgown. Go girl. <laughs> because and, and my nightgown and flip-flops. Why? Because I went outside to do something and the lawnmower hadn't been starting for a couple of days. And I was like, you know, let me try to see if it'll start. It started. So I said, well, let me just go ahead and push it. Just a little. Because it may not start when I'm ready to use it later. <laughs> and so next thing you know, I'm out there in my nightie mowing the lawn. And I said, my neighbors must think I'm crazy. <laughs> Well, my garden's pretty private uh, with all the plantings that we've done, but you know, it could be scary for our neighbors if they did happen upon some <laughs> well, of the garbs well, I have is onto the, the garden. I don't really see in my yard, but I'm sure one day 
somebody's going to be in the woods. <laughs> there you go. It happens. It happens. Okay. So you're out in the garden. Tell us about your garden, Claudia. Well, I have a 60 by 40 vegetable garden, which has about 20 raised beds, many potted fruit trees and herbs. And then I also have several areas that I grow taller in-ground crops like corn and uh, Mm -hmm. bush beans and things like that. Then I have a, what I call a tropical style cottage garden. And my reason for calling it tropical style is you'll see a lot of warm colors. You'll see red and oranges and yellows, which are atypical of the typical cottage garden. Mm -hmm. But it's because it's a nod to my heritage in Jamaica, where we do have those wild, loud and bright colors. And I just could not subdue it and just do the typical cottage garden, pink, white and purples, you know, Um, they're there. And I add those colors to cool that down some. So it's not abrasive to have all that loud, bright color. Um, But that's what I do. And I have, I think, 22 flower beds the last I checked. Oh, (laughs) yes. Um, And they all follow a similar theme. They may differ slightly. So there's, in my mind, continuity around the yard. When, you know, since they all bear (laughs) similar plantings or there is a cohesion to it. Now, um, one of the things I've seen on a recent reel was a bean tunnel. Yes. Yes. Tell us about the bean tunnel. Well, I have many different trellises in the garden for growing beans and cucumbers and tomatoes and anything that vines and needs support. Uh, Last year, I did tomatoes on that tunnel, and it was also very, very pretty. This year, I wanted to rotate the crops. I decided to grow beans there, and they're doing remarkably well. They've covered the tunnel and it, it gives this enchanted garden type of look to it, which I'm really digging, you know? It looks great. What a fabulous idea. Are you getting beans? You have to walk underneath it to go into the garden. So I like that. Now I'm scared because we do have snakes Ooh. and I'm hoping that none ever thinks they need to go up there. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, that just happens. That happens. You know, we even have them here. And uh, of course, I don't ever see them up on trellises, but I don't give them tasty beans up on the trellises. I give them, you know, thorns, but (laughs) with my beautiful roses. (laughs) But yeah, you will have to be careful with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I got to talk about another title. We talked about some of your titles in our introduction, but you have another title that I've happened on to, The Greens Queen. So where does this come from? I love to grow greens and it's probably the thing I grow best. I grow beans and peppers extremely well. I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's just after a while of growing certain things, those are the things that really, really do well in my garden. And so that's why there's not a green that I won't try to grow. And we also eat them a lot. Mm -hmm. I love to cook kale and I'll mix different greens and cook them and, you know, put them in things like uh, quiches and and smoothies or even in scalloped potatoes made with some 
some greens. You saute your greens and add it to it and cook it up. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Just ways to get more veggies in. So that's where that title comes in. But in my garden, there is always an abundance. Right now I have Swiss chard, kale, collard greens, Malabar spinach, uh, sorrel, um, different cabbages. And typically you wouldn't find those growing now because of the heat, but I have them in part shade and they do okay in a part shade and don't bolt. See, that one of the things I just love about you is like, okay, so I think I've heard it all um, with all my years of gardening. And then you say something like Malabar spinach. And then, then you talk about things like cassava or kalu. Yeah. I'm like, okay, these are things I need to learn about because I don't know about these, you know, so you're teaching me all the time. Well, one of the things that I try to do in everything that I do is honor my heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up a lot of my childhood here in America, but we still ate a very Jamaican diet, mm-hmm. which included Kalaloo and cassava. And, you know, we call it gungu peas, but the term for it, the, the Englishized word is pigeon peas. And so incorporating, growing those things just allows me to eat my culturally um, loved foods. Mm-hmm. That's so, so nice. Um, let's move into herbs. We're talking about cooking and you grow a lot of herbs and you use them for cooking, but you also use them for medicinal uh, reasons. And so let's start with the cooking side of things. Just some of your favorite herbs that you use in your, all these wonderful um, um, dishes that you prepare. My absolute favorite herb to use is thyme. Thyme can be used in just about anything that you cook, whether it's greens, whether it's chicken, fish, uh, beef, pork, whatever. Thyme is just a versatile herb. But I also use rosemary um, a lot, but you just can't use a lot of it. But I use it in many (laughs) different dishes. I love marjoram but I struggle growing marjoram. It just doesn't do well in my garden, which is shocking because I've grown just about every herb known to man. And it it always dies off. Not sure why, but it does. I also use chives in, in things mm-hmm. that I grow. And I grow tarragon and I love to use tarragon mm-hmm. in salad dressings and salads. Mm-hmm. I'll just mince it up in a salad like that. So just using finding different ways to use the food that I grow so they don't waste. But I grew up using medicinal herbs mm-hmm. um, with eight kids and 10 people in a family. My parents, <coughs> excuse me, my parents did not have the means to take us to the doctor every time we sneezed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. And so they developed, um, regimens that included natural remedies. Um, My one uncle was a naturopath. He wasn't certified by anyone, but he was the community go-to person who would be able to tell you which bush, and I'll put that in quotation marks because that's what they call it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to go and gather and boil and drink that would help you feel better. And he was always right, you know. Wow. 
Yeah, he was always right. I remember one time I went to Jamaica and I got food poisoning. Um, something I ate did not agree. And I was so, so sick. And he came over just to visit. And he went out and gathered, I don't even know what. And he had my mama to boil it and give it to me to drink it. I drank one cup of that thing. <laughs> Seriously, I was in bed for like two days. I was so mm. sick. I drank one cup of that concoction and I was better. I was yeah. better after, you know, I took a nap and woke up and I was, I was better. So I, I know for a fact that they work. We were taken to the doctors when we needed to, but most of our normal ailments, there was a remedy. For example, we had a lot of citrus trees. And as a kid, you had an upset stomach, you chew the leaf of one of the citrus trees. Lime, lemon, orange, tangerine, it didn't matter. Or your mom would boil you some citrus leaf tea and you drink that and you feel better in no time. So it's just learning. And I've just brought that with me into my adult life. And I use that for what ails me unless I need like, you know, antibiotics or something like that. Well, one of the things you've incorporated into your um, your social media presence is Wellness Wednesday, and I love that. I've learned so much. Recently, you talked about peppers, so tell us a little bit about peppers as it as it would uh, be talked about under Wellness Wednesday. Well, peppers have a variety of uses. I know we are used to using them for flavoring food but they do have medicinal benefits. For example, they have found out that cayenne pepper, capsaicin, there's an ingredient in it called capsaicin, which can actually help your blood to clot. Um, if applied to a cut. Also, they have found that same ingredient is used in certain rubs. Uh, you can actually make your own salve using cayenne pepper and apply it to like muscle aches, mm -hmm. almost like a Bengay or an Asper cream. Yeah, works the same. Matter of fact, I'm gonna tell you, my mom's physician recommended she buy the, there's an actual brand on the market. I think it's called Capsaicin something or rather. I can't remember the full name of it, but that was what he prescribed for her to use when she was having some muscle pain. My goodness, there's so much to learn. Now, I am often looking at a five-pound container of cayenne pepper powder because, as you know, I've been dealing with a lot of rascals in my garden, and I've mm -hmm. been using cayenne pepper as a deterrent. Uh, I think it has deterred some, and others just, you know, hop over it. But um, I had no idea about some of the other things you mentioned. Now, do you grow shishito peppers? I have never grown them, but they're on my list for next year. I've heard all types of fabulous things about them. I grow, I tend to grow hot peppers. Mm -hmm. And that's um, another cultural thing because we're used to eating spicy food. Mm -hmm. So I grow cayenne, my own. I grow ghost peppers, scorpion peppers, scotch bonnet peppers, mm -hmm. habaneros. And I make a jerk sauce combining all the hot peppers with a few other ingredients um, to make, to be able to make like jerk chicken or jerk fish as we would in Jamaica. Oh boy, that sounds so good. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say do try the shishitos. I've 
grown them for a couple of years. Um, I got onto them a couple of years ago and I just, you know, kind of saute them, blacken the skins with a little salt and, um, and then I add a splash of honey at the end. They're mm. absolutely fabulous that way. I think we're having them that way for dinner. That's why I was thinking about them. But they're very prolific, as are many peppers, uh, mm-hmm. at least around here. Our peppers really produce. And um, um, we always uh, grow green peppers, banana peppers, chili peppers. Bananas also. And I do the little snack peppers, Ooh. the little snack lunchbox peppers, oh, nice. just for eating. I do different colored bell peppers, um, yeah. and I, I do Cubanelle, uh, Anaheim, jalapenos. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot mm-hmm. to choose from, a lot of good things. Now, I have to go back to another comment, uh, thinking back to Wellness Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved your comments when you were harvesting lemongrass something I don't grow. You said that you grew up using herbal remedies and you like to start with them when you're sick. But you also said you also use conventional medicine when needed. But then you said this, sometimes we don't need a machine gun. We just need a little bow and arrow. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I agree. I I, I wholeheartedly (laughs) support that statement because (laughs) I don't know if you remember in the 90s, late 90s and early 2000s, we had a problem with the overuse of antibiotics mm-hmm. because no matter what ailed you, the solution was to write a prescription for antibiotics. Yeah. And having worked in healthcare institutions most of my career, I would then see patients who would come in and those patients were resistant, their issues were resistant to antibiotics because they had been prescribed so many times. Mm -hmm. I can probably count on my hand as an adult, my one hand, the number of times that I've had to take antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So because I've not had to use it, when I need it, Mm -hmm. it will work. Wow, that's true, so true. Many times you have an upset stomach. Oh, let me reach for this pill. No, sometimes you just need a good cup of peppermint or ginger tea. <laughs> and that settles your stomach because it helps with nausea. It helps with, you know, that, that feeling that you, that bloated, gaseous feelings that, that you get. And it'll help relieve some of that. There are just a lot of different options out there. I am definitely not someone who has a degree in a medical field telling you not to seek medicine. No, that's not what I'm all about. I do. Um, my husband, you know, he takes medications for his different things that he needs medicines for. But we also follow a very healthful diet, make sure that we eat a high fiber diet and eat lots of fruits and veggies every day to ensure that we're giving our bodies what it needs, first of all, so that it can do the work it needs to do. Good advice always. Now, Claudia, I want to move into more ornamental plants. So what are some of the shrubs and the flowers that you plant in your cottage garden just for the pretty parts? Uh, (laughs) I don't think I've ever met many flowers that I didn't like. (laughs) Oh, me too, me too. Um, But let's see. I love different things at different points of the season. I have a love affair with roses, as you know. Mm -hmm. 
but I also love peonies and hydrangeas. Oh, yeah. Hydrangeas, I have close to 70 or 80. Oh, I thought I had a bunch at 25. <laughs> <laughs> the front lawn border alone has 12 line lights. Oh, I bet that's gorgeous. It also has four Bloomstruck hydrangeas, two Invincible Spirit 2s, and two Cherry Explosion hydrangeas just in that one bed. Yeah, the Fountain Garden, I've added two this year um, of the Bloomstruck hydrangeas there. No, sorry, Twist and Shout hydrangeas there. I have three limelights under my bedroom window. I have two limelights right on either side of my office. There is a, I can't remember what the name of this one is, right outside my office window. Um, but yeah, I have quite a few hydrangeas because they're one of my top three flowers. Mm -hmm. Right now, the front border is looking extremely good. and. It's because the hydrangeas are doing their thing. Mm -hmm. I know um, you're a lily fan too. Oh, I love lilies. Absolutely. Day lilies as well as Asiatic lilies and the different forms of Asian lilies, the mm -hmm. Orient Pet, uh, the OTs, the Martagons, you name it. I love them all. And I just like the fact that they bloom for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But um Daylilies bloom for only a day, mm -hmm. but your other Asiatic lilies, a lot of those can bloom a week, sometimes two. Mm -hmm. uh, the tree lilies bloom for an extended period of time. And I like the pop of color that they bring up and bring your eyes up because mm -hmm. most of your flowers have a lower profile, but they're mm -hmm. taller. So you get that, that, that taller emphasis on the color. What else do I love? I love um, Nepeta. Oh, I do too. It's I just love, such a workhorse in a, in a cottage garden. It is, garden. in a cottage garden. I do. I love flocks. This year, I added more pink flocks to the garden. As I said before, I was adding some cooler colors to cool off some of my warmer colors. Mm -hmm. How, how about snapdragons? Do you, do you grow <coughs> snapdragons? I have bronze snapdragons. Oh, that is a pretty one. It's kind of lacy looking, isn't it? It that is. That bloom is a little frilly. Mm -hmm. That is I a have gorgeous one. Some yellow ones I planted in the fall, and they're still going strong in the oh. heat of the Georgia summer. I don't understand it, but they're doing fantastically well. <laughs> they we'll live happy through, for that. <laughs> yeah, they live through the polar vortex. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, if you could survive that, honey, you go on right ahead. Yeah, so, yeah. We I, even get we even got snapdragons to overwinter here. I'm five B, but Indiana, wow. and the snapdragons, you know, overwinter pretty reliably. And that's another thing that gives you some of the new snapdragons will be for you know three to four foot tall. So um, I love that because just last night my husband said, "What is that very tall pink bunch of flowers over there by those roses?" And I said, "Those are snapdragons." He was going snapdragons. The then apple blossoms. I want um, to try to grow the apple blossoms. Yes, that's a that's a kind of a pink and white one. That's really a nice one. And I also grow a bunch of straw flowers. Do you grow those? I have never grown those. 
you know, I like to dry, you know, the, you know, the hydrangeas and, and yarrow and a few other things to put on my Christmas tree. And straw flower mm. is just kind of unique, especially if you have children around, because it looks the same fresh and dried. You know, it's straw. It's, it looks like, it feels like straw. It looks like straw. So that's I just kind some, of unique. I have some seeds of the straw flowers to try. There is a lot of flowers that I want to try, and I have a lot of seeds to get going. My plan last year and this year was, but you know, life sometimes has a way of redirecting you, and you just have to roll with the flow. And that's what I did because I was stressing myself out on what I couldn't do and what I couldn't get done because my life circumstances change. And I had to realize, you know what? You can either continue to stress yourself out or you got to let that go and do it when you can, Mm -hmm. because there's something more important at the moment and focus on what's important and the other stuff will come. So my goal is since my life has now settled into some sort of a routine, my husband's health is where I don't have to monitor him every minute of every day, so to speak. I can now focus more on some of the things that are primarily for me. Mm -hmm. And that's my garden. Yes. Well, I hope you get to that for sure. Mm -hmm. That's, um, um, you've, um, you've worked very hard for others and for him. And so I hope that you get extra time for that. Mm -hmm. So while we're talking about flowers, we've got to talk about roses, you know, that's it's rose chat. And Mm -hmm. um, you put up pictures of beautiful roses. So what are your favorites? (laughs) That's like asking me to choose between my two kids. <laughs> I know. It's the hardest question I ever ask. <laughs> um, but I will say this. I like different ones for different reasons. I knew you were going to ask this question. So I jotted down five. Oh, good. I love sweet mademoiselle. If you are new to growing roses, you're growing in a warmer region You want a rose that's big and has gorgeous, huge coral pinkish flowers and has a gorgeous smell. That's the rose for you. It is very disease resistant. Um, Even here in the South where we get a lot of rust and black spot because we have such humid weather. Um, It's just a workhorse. I pruned everything back after my first flush because of the Japanese beetles to, you know, spare myself the heartache of watching yes. them decimate all my roses. And it all, everything flushed back out, brand new growth, looking just as lovely. And she's putting on her second show. And you would think it was the first time that she's oh. putting out for the season. She's really a good one to have, but her color reads warmer than the typical lights light pink you know like a queen Mm -hmm. of sweden or a olivia rose austin or earth angel those are our lighter pink this is more on the coral side Mm -hmm. Um, she's she's real pretty so that's that's one i have two of her in my garden and she never disappoints another rose that i really love is bathsheba i have the bathsheba climbing rose by david austin She is just a prolific climber. She has that creamy, peachy, with somewhat pale yellowish color tones. 
has a nice fragrance as well. And she does, she, she remains very healthy. Mm -hmm. I love Olivia Rose Austin, just because she's prolific and Mm -hmm. such a pale, pretty pink. I have a thing for cabbage looking roses, the roses that have the big, you know, Mm peony-esque look. And I like her. Emily Bronte, I like because she's very frilly. She has that nice petaled look. I have this old world style rose, Charles DeMille. Mm, yeah. And the color on that, 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 that boucha color is just, or magenta looking color is just so stunning from across the yard. Very, very pretty. What else can I tell? Oh, Hermine or Hermione. I love that one because that's my middle name. Oh, and nice. Yes. And at first as a kid, I got teased because in Jamaica, we don't spell it with the E at the end. So it's Hermin. And mm-hmm. oh, I had issues. In college, they put me to room with a guy because they thought oh. I, yes, it was just a mess. So when I, le- I legally changed my name, my first name used to be Herman. And I changed it from that to Claudia, which Claudia is my middle name that I was born with. And I just reversed them. So I still have the same name, just reversed. Because it was just a lot. Always having to explain that, yes, this was my name. But then Harry Potter came out. And all of a sudden, it's now popular. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, that changed things, didn't it? Yes. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, is that your name for real? I've never met anybody with that name. So all of a sudden, you know, it's, yeah. So I have that one and I have that one right by my office. So when she's in bloom, I can see her all the time. But yes, I love, I have a thing for, oh, my favorite peach colored rose is Crazy Love. Oh, that one's not familiar. She brooms in clusters and she is somewhat frilly. She's got a lot of petals, but she is such a pretty color. She starts out one shade, and by the time she's done, she's another, and she's pretty every step of the way. So, yeah. I have a thing for David Austin Rose, but not all of them does well here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, I find Cordes Roses do extremely well. They handle our heat and humidity. We have the same thing here in that Cordes roses are so good here because they can handle our cold as well. Mm-hmm. They uh, they make it through the winter really well um, in years when we have bed winters. And so they just seem to be, in general, hardier. The sweet Mademoiselle and Bolero rose, Bolero is another one that I love. Are made are 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 cultivated by star roses and plant. They have some good ones also that does well here in the south. How about mother of pearl? That's probably my all my favorite. Um, most I have a, I have two roses that I suspect to be mother of pearl, but they were not what I ordered. I ordered a pink rose, and I got these two peachy colored rose. She's tall for me and she's just a blooming machine. She blooms. She's got blooms pretty much all year long. And Mm -hmm. uh, it is a a peachy color. I'll have to send you a picture. I, I, I don't, I don't know what I have. I thought it was Helen Stein. I thought it was mother of pearl. 
but I don't really know what it is. Uh, maybe some of your Rosarians can take a look at my feed and, and tell me, but uh, I have this rose that I'm falling in love with it. It's gorgeous. I reached out to the company that I bought it from to see if perhaps they could help me with the name. Since I got two roses that were not what I bought, they never responded. Oh, rats. <laughs> but coincidentally, the color that bloomed works better in that bed than <laughs> the one I was putting there anyway. Well, there you go. Yeah. Now, so. Claudia, since you are in the South, are there a few tips that you would say to someone starting with roses in um, your more humid culture there, the things that you do organically to take care of your roses? Sure. The first thing is you start out with a good preventative program. So, you know, copper fungicide is a great thing to apply early in the season to try to stave off the black spot as long as possible, right? The second thing is make sure you fertilize on the schedule that you need to, because that helps them to stay healthier for longer. And the third thing is choosing the right rose for your region and your yard. Because even though I live in zone 7B, I find I can grow things that a friend who is in the same state, same region, she has difficulty in her yard, they struggle, you know? So knowing your microclimate and what will do well. Uh, and so I have figured out now what does well here. And so my goal is to now add more of the ones that flourish and slowly get rid of ones that just aren't doing well. I'm, I'm married to them because of the money that I spent on them, you know? <laughs> but if it's not doing what I want it to do, then it, it can't. For example, Lady of Shalott does not do well in my yard. She doesn't. I'm thinking of digging her up, putting her in a pot, see if she'll do well in another area and putting something else in, excuse me, in her place because yeah, it's just, it's not. And then the other thing is our biggest pest for roses here are Japanese beetles and they're here for six, seven weeks every year almost two months. So in that time, the way that it works out is immediately following our first flush of blooms, they show up. I cut everything back. And that's when I rely on my, my lilies to carry off the garden. So I have Mm -hmm. lilies and blocks and other things blooming at that time while they're putting on new foliage. And we know that with the Japanese beetle, the fragrance of the rose lures them to the plant. So if they are not blooming, they don't eat the foliage of those roses that I've cut back. Yeah, they're just, um, yeah, they just do love our roses. They are not the only thing um, that they eat here, but they are the main thing that they eat here. So they're just a problem. They're just a problem. Yeah, they bother the vegetable garden too. They find, they like zinnias. Um. When I did some research, it, it, I found out that there is over 300 species of plants that they like. So if, if they find something in your garden that they like, they'll demolish it. They love my blood good Japanese maple. Wow. I um, posted about it uh, on my blog, if not too much on social media, but 
I've been dealing with really bad critters, lots and lots and lots of raccoons and groundhogs. And so I have all out on dahlias, purchased 20 beauties, and um, has, my husband refabbed a raised bed and filled it full with my dahlias. And guess where the groundhogs went? Oh, no. Oh, it's just a mess and heartbreaking. But some of them, you know, got knocked down, all broken up. But there were little pieces and parts left. Now, those pieces and parts left are trying to bloom. And at least some of them. And I went out a couple of days ago and I looked at this pretty little bloom on this pitiful looking plant. And there was oh. a Japanese beetles. I said, this is over the top. Go away. She just had enough. Don't you feel like go- they add insult to injury? And those, those Japanese beetles, they get on my nerve. My first Dahlia to bloom was a Kelvin, you know, the big, big dinner plate yellow uh, Dahlia. I go over there to take a picture because I'm so excited that this thing bloomed. And there is a Japanese beetle that has eaten out the entire direct center of the bloom. I was so mad. You know, I killed that thing. I did. I did. Yes, we finally got used to them, you know, and how to deal with them with the roses. And then they're going for a dahlia. Other things. But your your year with dahlias sounded, sounded like mine from last year. Last year, I hardly had any dahlias because I had an armadillo in my yard that was wreaking havoc. That thing would find all the dahlias and dig them up, all of them. I would find, I would, I would go out in the morning and I would find the dahlia tuber on the ground because it doesn't want the tuber. It wants the grub that's in the ground under the tuber yeah just the they're they're big and they're destructive and they beat them down and oh well yeah it's just not fun but that's just part of gardening and and we go for it we go for it i was gonna say this year my veggie garden is is just i'm used to having a lush full veggie garden where everything is growing and doing well and and this year it's my garden is driving the struggle bus my veggie garden is and you know (laughs) I've decided I'm going to drive the bus till the wheel falls off. I'm going to get what I can get out of it. But I know that the fall season will be a much better garden season. It, it We had a very cold winter, a very wet, prolonged spring. And then I had some personal issues that prohibited me getting a lot of my plants and seeds and stuff in the ground. I tore my meniscus. Uh, and so I couldn't bend, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do a lot of the things that I normally would do. And so the garden got behind and yeah, it was, it's just a year, but you know what you do? You say, okay, yeah, you win this year, yeah. but I got you for next year. Don't worry. Yeah. And there's parts of the garden, you know, there's just parts of the garden that do well one year. There's roses mm-hmm. that do well the next year they don't. That's just part of the challenge of gardening, but that's, yes. you know, it's part of why we love it. And you're lucky in that you get a nice long fall season. So you're going to have those veggies yet. Yeah. We have a mild winter too. We, we, I, we didn't, we have not had snow in about five years. Oh, good. Lucky you. (laughs) I know. I know. We haven't had snow in about five years. And so, um, but even when we have snow that doesn't last five days, it Mm -hmm. it falls. And within two days, three days, it's melted and gone. 
And then we're back into our 40s and 50s for our winter weather. So it's like 40s and 50s in the day and in the low to mid 20s at night. Yeah. When we dip under 20, we begin to, you know, complain. It's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Claudia, before I let you go, I want to talk just a little bit about your IG channel because that's how I met you. And so I'm just curious, you know, why did you decide to do uh, to, to do this big gardening channel on social media? Actually didn't plan it. I'll tell you the truth. I used to share like home decor and cooking because I love that's why my channel is called the organized homemaker. I love everything home Mm -hmm. for when I was young, I was told I would never have children. Right. And so uh, I was, I was told I would never have children. And so when I was blessed to have a family, I decided I was going to take the best care that I possibly could of them because I felt so honored to be given the privilege to have a family. And so my kids ate everything from scratch. They'll tell you, I cooked all the time. We never ate out of a can or anything like that. That's just how, you know, mm-hmm. they wanted pancakes for breakfast. I whipped them up from scratch. I, it, that's, they just ate like, and they were never picky eaters because whatever I gave them, you know, they ate. And, and I also loved spreading a table. I like setting the table really pretty. Matter of fact, my friends used to tease me and call me Martha Stewart because I love the art of entertaining also, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and I love decorating my home so that it's cozy. I wanted my home to be a little haven where my family wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that was what I got on Instagram and was sharing just my home. Then I started sharing glimpses of my garden and people said, hold up, you garden? See, see. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I have lots of flowers and I have lots of veggies. And they said, you need to share more. So I started sharing. And the more I shared, the more people hopped on board. And the more I shared, the more people hopped on board. And I thought, oh, okay. So you really do like this So I stopped sharing and actually hid all my home decor and entertaining. uh, So those are all archived posts Um, and just focused on gardening since it's what most people follow me for. And I share and I love sharing and it's nice because I felt like that part of me was hidden and it was just for me. Mm -hmm. Once I shared it, I realized, you know, you could help a lot of people garden because Yes, I'm a born helper. I think it's being a child from a large family. Everybody's a helper. You chip in. And I feel like this is a personal opinion that gardening is not accessible as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's not as simple as it should be for people to try it themselves. I get a lot of DMs from people who tell me that they appreciate my approach uh, simplicity, uh, the, you know, down to earth because, and then also I encourage people to garden where they are, how they can in a way that works for them. And at, at that bugs conventional wisdom because everybody wants everybody to do the newest thing, but it may not work for someone's lifestyle, resources, 
uh, time at the moment. So mm -hmm. if I can get them gardening, period, that's a coup. Mm -hmm. Then you work on getting them to garden the quote unquote right way, you know, mm -hmm. limiting our footprint to the earth, limiting our impact on our, 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 our population of beneficials and things like that, that comes, but I want you to plant a seed first. Mm -hmm. And as you plant the seed and the beneficials come, you're like, oh, okay, well, how do I take care of them? You know, I feel like the rest will come. I want gardening to be accessible to everybody yeah. so that it's not this highfalutin thing that you can only do if you have money or if you have all this education. I think if you have a pot and some seeds and some dirt, plant something. Yes. You know, you're just a natural. You know, I wondered, you know, was she trained to be in front of the camera? You're just such a natural. Um, did she have a <laughs> know. You know, 10 point plan? What was her mission statement? And you've got, I have been a teacher <laughs> for a long period of time. Um, my first career, I was a corporate trainer for prudential health insurance. Then after that, I decided to go back to school and become a registered dietitian. When I do that, part of my job for the longest is giving talks. I would go to corporations and do wellness talks for their employees. I would do community initiatives for one of the hospitals that I worked with. Dietitians are always doing uh, presentations because hospitals, most of the hospitals I've worked at were nonprofits. And as a result of them being nonprofit, they have to give back so much to the community to maintain their nonprofit status. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways they do that is health presentations. And I'm always asked to go and give the presentations because I like talking to people. I, mm -hmm. I know that it was a gift that I was blessed with to be able to educate someone and help them understand how what they're doing can impact their longevity and impact the quality of life that they're living. And so I've always gone in front of people, hundreds of people, and done presentations. I actually love it. I feed off the energy of the people. Social media is a little different because you're talking to your camera, nobody's talking back, and you don't see the people that you're talking to. But in my mind, I'm talking to my friend. So you yeah, you're talking so, to me. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I do. I think that they're my friends, which is why I feel like I have some of the chillest followers. I don't really have many trolls. I don't really have a lot of people who are mean because I consider it, you know, they're they're my friends mm -hmm. first. You 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 have one opportunity to be bad. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, you just are a natural mentor, teacher, helper. And you not only do all of that, but you really do bring the joy. I mean, you, you people are not only going to do some of these things, but they're going to enjoy it more because they have seen you doing these things in your garden. Mm -hmm. And um, your, your natural way, it just comes shining through. And we're just so glad. You're providing so many practical tips. You provide reminders of what to do when. And I love your check, checklist, by the way. And even though we're in different zones, they're good reminders, you know, it's just like you don't have to be, you know, totally zone specific uh, because it's a good reminder that you can apply to your own zone. So, Claudia, just thank you so much for joining me today and for all you do to encourage and teach about gardening and cooking and wellness and just so much more. I know that I'm grateful that that um, I have this highlight in my feed 
almost every day. When I'm on social media, you're usually have put something there and I'm thinking, oh, what's she doing today? <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. I like the fact that I help to make someone's day a bit better because there are many people on social media who help to make my day better. Um, there are certain people that when they pop up in my feed, I love to see your garden. I love to see your garden. There is a lady out of Virginia who has one of the most epic rose gardens ever. Uh, what's Rose Mama? I'm not sure. I'll have to see if I follow her. Hmm. Gonna, see, if I can't find her and send her to you, I'm sure you probably follow. She has one of the prettiest gardens I have ever seen. Oh. And she keeps developing it and adding to it. And it, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful. But nice. she's more of a rosarian because she has mostly roses. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have a little bit of everything. I'm heavy on roses. Yes. <laughs> I have plenty. Um, I always want more, of course, but, um, but I just like all those companions too. I do too. I like, uh, I like the cottagey look. I have a couple of trees that need to come down from over the front to allow me more sunshine. And I think I'll add some more roses once that's done. Yeah. Yeah. They need a little bit of sunshine, don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, Claudia, just thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share with me. And I just appreciate you so much. All right. Thank you so much, Teresa. You have a great day. And friends, if you don't already follow Claudia, find her on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and Rest Homemaker. And I'm telling you, prepare to be delighted. Until next time, friends, have fun in your garden. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.